Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Tez News podcast where we bring you the essential briefing on the key news of the week for everyone who works for and with schools. I'm Matilda Martin, news reporter at Tez, and today I'm joined by news editor Charlotte Santry and deputy news editor John Roberts to discuss two big Ofsted stories that they've been digging into this week as part of the latest revelations around how the gulf between Ofsted and school leaders is continuing to grow. This is all since it reached crisis point after the news of the tragic death of Ruth Perry in January, following an Ofsted inspection at her school. Hi Charlotte, hi John, thanks for coming on. First up, Ofsted has been in the news quite a bit over the past year. So John, you're our specialist Ofsted reporter. What's been going on? Yeah, hi Matilda. Um, as you say, it's, it's been probably an unprecedented year for Ofsted. I think they have always been a kind of a bone of contention in the sector. They're never going to be popular. But I think the Ruth Perry incident coming after the pandemic has meant that the kind of popularity and credibility of Ofsted with various bodies, including the head teachers unions, school sector bodies, and, and other politicians, probably reached its lowest point in the summer. And there's an election next year, and there's real chance of kind of major change to the way the inspectorate operates in the future. So, Charlotte, you've been looking into the backgrounds of Ofsted inspectors. Why did you choose to look at this? Well, earlier in the year, I spoke to quite a few school leaders for a long read piece that I wrote about Ofsted and whether there was any way back for it after the kinds of incidents that you were talking about. And a recurring theme in that was that a lot of leaders felt that inspectors were coming in and they weren't always suitably qualified to do the job, frankly. So sometimes they appear to have too little experience in a particular phase, whether that's primary or secondary. Um, sometimes the leaders I spoke to felt that the inspectors just hadn't had enough leadership experience themselves to be offering fair and, and sort of credible opinions about things. And so I wanted to look into where inspectors were being recruited from, what kind of roles they'd held previously, the phases that they'd worked in and the subjects that they taught. That sounds really, really interesting, Charlotte. So what did the data from Ofsted show us? What it showed is that Ofsted actually doesn't have a lot of data on its inspectors, which might come as a bit of surprise. So it didn't know how many inspectors had worked in primary, secondary or special schools. It didn't know how many inspectors had taught particular subjects, which you might think is important given that they've got a, a really strong focus in their 2019 inspection framework on things like subject deep dives, where they're talking to subject leaders in, in a very detailed way about curriculum sequencing and things like that, which, which require quite a lot of subject expertise. And they also couldn't say how many had previously been head teachers, assistant head teachers, and so on. What they did have was a snapshot of their HMIs, so the most senior inspectors, if you like, and that showed that 60% had previously been head teachers themselves. Why might this lack of experience of headship be a concern? Well, you don't have to have been a head teacher to be an HMI or a contracted inspector. But there are a lot of people who feel that it helps. And the fact that four out of 10 apparently haven't been heads was, was a concern to quite a few people who I spoke to who said that if you've been through the process of school improvement, you've tried to turn a school around, you've tried to build a school up perhaps after an inadequate judgment, it's really difficult. And having someone who's been through that and has that kind of empathy and the understanding of all the nuance around that is helpful and is going to feed into probably a more 
reliable Ofsted judgment. That's really, really interesting. And so has there been anyone in particular who has criticised this lack of experience of, of headship for Ofsted inspectors? There are quite a few multi-academy trust leaders who I spoke to who thought it was a problem. I spoke to Sir Michael Wilshaw, the former chief inspector, who also thought it was an issue. And I spoke to Frank Norris, who used to be an HMI, has run a MAT and is presently the education advisor to the Northern Powerhouse Partnership. And he gave an anecdote whereby he'd recently been approached by someone who was a middle leader and wanted his endorsement to become an HMI. And he said, in his words, he was shocked by this because he didn't feel that this person had anywhere near the level of qualification needed for that role. I, th- I think it's really important that uh, inspectors have... Uh, somebody said to me it's like the white heat of, uh, of leadership, you know, that you've, you've, you've experienced that. It, it, it doesn't have to be at times of a school. You know, it, some of these experiences when you're very senior in an organisation, you, you, you know those sorts of challenges, whether that comes from the media or whether that comes from your board or whatever. Um, you've got to defend the, you know, the position and you understand the stress and strain of it. But actually, I was really shocked um, quite recently when uh, a middle leader in a primary school um, who hasn't been part of the senior leadership team came to me for some advice as to whether or not she should apply to be HMI. And I was really quite flabbergasted. So I said, well, I'm not quite sure that you've really got sufficient experience. But she then drew my attention to the advert, which clearly stated that they were looking for some middle leaders. But this was a middle leader within a primary school setting. And uh, it felt to me as if that person was not sufficiently equipped or experienced to actually sort of manage uh, the, the complexity of uh, the sorts of challenges that you, you get when perhaps a judgment isn't quite going the way the school wants it to. So I, I think that there's a real sort of uh, problem in the way that these adverts are being promoted. And at the end of the day, when I joined in 2001, it was it, to me, it was like the pinnacle of my career. It feels as though it's more of a stepping stone. That was Frank Norris talking about his thoughts about this. There's also been increased debate over the past year over the use of single word judgments in Ofsted reports. But what happens when a school doesn't feel that the grade they have received is fair or accurate? John, you've got some exclusive data on Ofsted complaints this week. So what does this new data show us? Yes, so complaints has been one of the kind of real issues where Ofsted has faced criticism in the past. And so we tried to get a breakdown of how they've handled complaints over the last five years. It shows two things, I think. One, in the most recent year, Ofsted is changing more of its reports as a result of the complaints. So we've found that one in five complaints have resulted in some change to the report. But nevertheless, overall, the chance of a school getting a new grade following a complaint remains massively rare. It's up this year compared to previous years but it's still less than 2%. Five overall inspection reports have changed out of 374 complaints. So I think there's there's two things going on there. One, it does look as if Ofsted has taken complaints on board more in the last 12 months, and that has been reflected in changes to the report, but they're not so substantial a change that a school gets a new inspection grade. And I think what head teachers leaders that we've spoken to have said is that normally when a school complains, it's because they think the, the inspection judgment is flawed. If they're moved to complain, it's a serious process. They think that the, the, the judgment is unfair or flawed. And this set of data kind of reaffirms a feeling, I think, that 
head teachers will say that the cards are almost stacked against them. The the, this, the complaint system feels like Ofsted marking its own homework. And more often than not, overwhelmingly more often than not, the overall judgment stays the same. Yeah, like you said, you know, we've got that increase in changes, but it's not a huge, huge uptick, is it, John? The other thing I, I think that's really interesting in the data, because we've had data in terms of how Ofsted handles the complaint, what, what, what findings they made, but we've also got a breakdown of why people have complained. And looking at it year by year, one really clear trend is an increasing number of complainants are complaining about the process of inspection. The other two kind of categories that, that they've given us a breakdown for are the judgment of the inspection and also conduct of the inspectors. And most often, Ofsted said it's a multiple complaint. It isn't just one. But the thing that has increased in recent years is people complaining about the process of inspection. Now, I think there will be a question about whether that speaks to the sector's lack of confidence in Ofsted's current inspection model. I think we've had a number of reports this year that say Ofsted's kind of focus on curriculum over exam results means inspectors are having to make more and more subjective judgments. And so I wonder whether that is being seen in the data that we've got today, because it's definitely the case that more and more people are complaining just about the kind of the process, the way Ofsted has arrived at the, uh, the judgments that it has. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's a really striking element of the data that we're publishing today. Sure. And Ofsted is actually looking to change its complaint process. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So the data we've got really looks at how they've handled complaints over the past five years, but it very much almost marks the end of a system in a way. They have just finished a consultation on altering how they how they handle complaints. At the moment, they have what they describe as a three-step process where there's an informal complaint, you can move to a formal complaint, and then Ofsted will review whether it handled the complaint properly. They're kind of scrapping that, allowing schools to move to a formal complaint more quickly. And if schools are still unhappy at the end of the process, they can go to an independent adjudicator and the change Ofsted is proposing to make will allow that to happen more quickly as well. But I think the fundamental problem will still remain if if the data stays similar, if schools feel like their chances of a, a grade change rely on Ofsted deciding that it was wrong, I, I, I think the feeling in the sector is that there's, there's still low confidence that a system that is basically policed by Ofsted will, will allow them an independent chance to reject or complain about an inspection finding. Great, thanks, John. To read more on these stories and lots more exclusive stories on Ofsted and more, please go to tes.com forward slash magazine. Thanks for joining us and see you all again next week.